You are Locked On Suns, your daily Phoenix Suns podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode of Locked On Phoenix Suns is brought to you by the Locker Room app. Download the app and join us this week on Friday morning to get in on the action. Locker Room, changing the way we talk about sports. Figuring out what went wrong here in today's episode of Locked On Phoenix Suns. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, and I am your host, Brendan Clean. You can follow our show on Twitter at Locked On PHX Suns, and you can follow me on Twitter and the Locker Room app at Brendan Clean 14. Orlando comes away with a narrow home victory on the eve of the trade deadline, 112 111. We'll get into the defining stretch of this game, the positives of the game, including Chris Paul's big night scoring the ball, and we'll close the show with uh, some thoughts on Mikhail Bridges and Dario Saric, two guys we'd like to talk about to close things out. We will do that again today. But just an overview here. You had Aiden, Paul, and Booker combined for 69 points, um, and the Suns still lost the game. All of them shot around or better than 50% from the field. All of them were getting to the free throw line. The ball was moving. The Suns had 22 assists, just eight turnovers, Made 33% of their threes, nothing bad. Got to the free throw line quite a bit. Orlando just won this game. The Suns never, ever put magic, put the magic out of this game. They never closed the deal. They never extended the lead to a point of no return. They just did not close the game out. And what ended up happening is Orlando stayed around and their stars closed the deal. 48 points combined for Vucevic and Fournier. Aaron Gordon with a nice night, and uh, Orlando just able to win in the margins when they needed to. Get the ball to their stars in big moments, and those guys made plays. Whereas on the Suns' side, saw some defensive mistakes, saw some rebounding problems, and saw Mikael Bridges miss a key corner three. So let's get into that stretch. Let's get into the defining moment moments of this game. Uh, I have to admit, guys, I did not watch this game in real time. I had to come back and rewatch. I was listening on the radio while waiting to get my first shot of the vaccine. So that was my experience with this game. And I have to admit to you, when I heard that the Suns had relinquished the lead and were somehow in a tight game again, it uh, really shocked me. So obviously went back, rewatched the entire thing to see what went wrong, and especially the second half, tried to zero in on the stretch and really is that fourth quarter. I mean, I think... It's fair to just say that what we saw in the fourth quarter was the moment that defined the game. It was pretty neck and neck most of the way, and Orlando making plays down the stretch. So let's get right into that. 2.58 left in the game. Nikola Vucevic hits a 12-point, two-foot shot. He's in rhythm. It's a fall-away shot, one of those tough ones that only the great players get, and it happens. That comes off of an illegal screen on DeAndre Ayton. Vuce gets it in the post the, the next time down, 2.58 left and extends the lead with that jumper to 107-102, a five-point lead for Orlando. Next time down, Chris Paul makes a just ridiculously consistent mid-range pull-up shot. That was his bread and butter tonight, and it's always his bread and butter. But tonight especially, he really had it going. He got it, so the lead's back within three. Fournier misses a three. Then um, Chris Paul gets to his jumper again, this time gets fouled. So two free throws, makes them both. Suddenly, after Paul answers, the Suns now down only one. Michael Carter-Williams 
bad pass, Suns turnover. And this is really, if there's any play, if there's any one play, this is it. The Suns get the ball down the floor. Devin Booker, I believe, drives, yes, because he gets the steal, drives it down, has Mikhail Bridges in the right corner. Bridges uh, completely missed the three. Uh, had no chance at it with the release, and both Eddie Johnson and Kevin Ray on the broadcast remarked how unconfident he looked, which is not characteristic of Mikhail Bridges. Um, not his best night by any means, but he had made another one in the fourth quarter already, so very, very strange to see him so hesitant and can, and just not aggressive, not, not confident in that moment because he makes that shot more often than not. So he misses that. Things go back and forth for a moment, and then uh, Evan Fournier puts the game away uh, with a 15-foot pull-up jumper. Jay Crowder responds with a really clutch three off of another Devin Booker assist, and then you see Vooch get to the free-throw line, only makes one. Devin Booker actually puts the Suns up later on with, I guess I maybe spoke too soon about Fournier closing the game, not with that pull-up jumper because the Suns do pull back in front 111-110, to with two free throws with 19.4 seconds left. Next time down, Fournier makes a driving layup, then knocks the ball out of bounds on the Suns' first inbound play, then uh, helps defend Devin Booker and leads to a wild reverse layup that does not go in. So 112-111, Orlando takes it away. Again, Fournier and Vooch uh, taking this game over late, Whereas, you know, the Suns are, they got a three from Crowder. That's a good shot. I made it. Um, but the, the, the Bridges miss and Devin Booker missing uh, the shot late, you know, it's one of those nights. Sometimes, even if the other team's stars are not as bright as your stars, there are just going to be games where those guys outplay your guys. And that's what happens. So, again, Suns stars, big three combined for 69 points. The Magic sort of get a more all-encompassing approach from their team. Chumo Kiki with 17, Dwayne Bacon with 11, and Aaron Gordon with an inefficient 13. And then their two go-to guys, Vooch and Fournier late, make this a ball game and eventually close it out. So that's one that the Suns will want to forget, right? So I don't want to belabor that moment, but that fourth quarter, you just saw the, the Magic made plays. The Suns did not. Maybe it's that home court advantage. Maybe it's showing off for the trade deadline, wanting to find a good home for yourself, or maybe wanting to show management that you are not done with this season and that now that the Magic are healthy, maybe they feel in that locker and like they can make a run, and this was them showing it. Or maybe those bounces just did not go the Suns' way. That can happen as well. We'll get into more of the positives, cheer things up here before we get out with some talk on Sharich and Bridges. Before that, though, a quick word from our first sponsor of today's show, Sport Trade. Sport Trade is where fantasy sports meet the stock market. Sport Trade is quite frankly amazing. It takes fantasy sports to the next level. It's like Robinhood, but for fantasy sports. Think of it that way. Their platform allows you to buy and sell shares in your favorite players, just like real stocks. Finally, a fair and exciting way to cash in on your knowledge of sports. Making money with Sport Trade is simple as player values rise and fall based on two factors, their statistical performance in the game and good old supply and demand. The more demand a player has, the higher their value goes, just like a real stock market. So rather than drafting a player or auctioning in a draft and getting a player that way or a dynasty league where you're you know, redrafting and keeping and keeping track of all of that, No, this is, you don't have a player on a team, you invest 
in that player. When you're ready to buy shares, pick that penny stock in a rookie with huge upside or grab the blue chip vet who's always solid. Instantly buy and sell as many shares and as many players as you like, just like the stock market. Then watch your players battle and your portfolio value rise. Simply go to sporttrade.com, watch the How It Works video, and then sign up to get started. Again, sign up today at sporttrade.com and discover the fun, exciting, and profitable new world of sports trading. This is truly the evolution of fantasy sports. You will be amazed. Don't sit on the sidelines any longer. Get in the game at sporttrade.com. Today's show also brought to you by betonline.ag, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports action. March Madness, we're a little bit of a break. Women's tourney games wrapped up today before the Sweet 16. The men's Sweet 16 does not start until the weekend, so it's a little bit of the eye of the storm here, but that does not stop you on the betting. That's what you do during the eye of the storm is you keep doubling up. You find the new Cinderella you love. You find the team that is the surest bet. You find the place, the the little secret in the margins where you're going to make your buck and Bet online is the place to do it. They have you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. You need to place the best educated bet that you possibly can. And best of all, it's free to sign up. So head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use the promo code Locked On. Again, use the promo code Locked On, all one word, the name of our network, when you make your first deposit at betonline.ag to get a 50% welcome bonus. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Let's go into some positives from the Suns' 112-111 loss to the Orlando Magic. Quick reminder first, though, to check out the Locked On Today podcast, our latest show on the network, getting you ready every single morning in 20 minutes or less for the day in sports. Storylines, headlines, analysis, what to expect, what to know, what to be ready to debate about, all the stuff that makes sports fun, quick, bite-sized, and easy on whatever platform you listen to podcasts on. Positives, positives, positives. Okay, let's get into it. Um, I think you have to give props to Chris Paul here in this game. Um, with Devin Booker's shot not quite falling, with the Magic staying in this game, Chris Paul found that mid-range jumper and went to work. He was dynamite from there. I would say he made three or four of them in the second half alone. He had six free throw attempts, which is uncharacteristic. He was really just rocking and rolling that Orlando defense to sleep a little bit, you know, handles, timing, all the stuff that makes that pick and roll jumper from Paul so dynamic, also chips in seven assists and six rebounds. So eight of 15, just an excellent night from him. One turnover, keeping those low as well. The Suns as a team did not turn the ball over. They did not, you know, shoot themselves in the foot in that way in this game. So Paul saw, smelled the blood in the water, saw that this game was Winnable, but also in the balance and try to take over. Did about everything that I think you could expect from him. And uh, the other plays that happened late just did not fall the Suns' way. So Chris Paul has to be a positive. You know, he had Nikola Vucevic downhill, got the switch on him. This was an underrated thing in the whole game, which I will get to. But um, switching was just rampant. And whichever player was most aggressive about it was going to get a good shot off of a switch that the other team should not have given, whether that was Vucevic or that was Chris Paul. It was happening over and over. Paul took advantage of it. And so one of his better scoring nights, he's had a lot of low scoring games lately. So it was probably good for him to get that rhythm. It's obviously going to be a necessity for the Suns come playoff time. You can't just rely on, you know, Booker and Dario Saric and some shooting or whatever it is. 
to get you the offense you need. You're going to need Paul creating for himself, getting to that mid-range, getting to the rim, getting to the free throw line to score easy points against elite defenses. So that was a very good sign as we are now, you know, less than two months from the playoffs. So that was good. I also want to talk about, uh, well, first let's get into DeAndre Ayton because it leads us to our next thing, which will be Torrey Craig, who I don't know if I'm going to give a full positive to, to be completely honest. That might shock some people given that he did score 10 points in 19 minutes, had four offensive rebounds. We'll get to him next, but Ayton's thing ties into Craig because uh, I think Ayton was a positive in this game. I mean, especially late, they were just getting him easy, easy looks on lobs. I think Booker and Bridges in the second half had lobs for him to get easy dunks. He was rolling to the rim. He was um, passing out of double teams, didn't have an assist, but was getting the ball moving. I, I know Mikhail missed another three in the, in the right corner off of a, an Aiton dish, and he got to the free throw line five times. So offensively, a great night defensively, I think this is where we're going to get to Torrey Craig. So I want to give eight, and I think it was a nice follow-up to a good game last time. 21-9, and 8-12 of 12 from the field, getting to the free-throw line, playing 34 minutes, all that stuff. Can't complain. I really can't. I think he had a good game. But he was at least part of the issue defensively in this one. So I'm going to go to another guy and give you the positives because I think this is another player who all in all played a good game, but it's just on the margins where Orlando was able to pick at them that uh, shows why it was not entirely celebratory for the Suns team with Craig and Aiton tonight. But Craig, so he makes two threes. I, you know, I don't know how long you expect that to last, but obviously it's a really big help on a night when the Suns only made 11 of 33. For Craig to come in and make two of two is really big. He is a hustle player. Like the four offensive rebounds I buy because he's just working his way into them. He, he's just around the ball at all times. He's one of those guys that just has a nose for that. He's in the right position. He's in the right situation because he just never stops moving in general, whether that's cutting on offense as well as he does, like I talked about on last night's postgame podcast, or, you know, just kind of buzzing around. He's just one of those energy players. And so those offensive rebounds are legit. I really buy into that. I think he's going to be able to get some easy junk points off of those putbacks, off of loose balls, off of steals throughout the season. All of that's very good. Where I will go to the negative quickly here with Aiton and, and Craig, who were culprits of this, is that the Suns were just letting Orlando get switches like it didn't matter. And it did matter. It really came to bite them. So we saw Vucevic um, basically could get a, ma- a mismatch whenever he wanted with very, very little resistance on the part of the Suns. You know, they were running some horn stuff, which is too high ball screeners with they had Fournier running it sometimes they had Gordon running it sometimes Michael Carter Williams obviously the point guard in there as well so they would just have basically Vucevic and Aminu screening up high and then whichever direction they went they were going to either try to you know have a pick and pop with Aminu or maybe a slow roll into the post up for Vuce sometimes a a pick and pop for Vuce as well you know he's versatile guy but when it was that post opportunity he was getting a smaller defender on him without much work at all and that's where I have to give some criticism to Aiton and Craig. And I think it was a big reason why Vooch was able to take control of things late, get into rhythm. He shot better than 50% from the field, was getting just on the glass wherever he wanted to. So I think Aiton giving up the switch, letting Vooch get away from him, being that that's his man. And then Craig, I feel like being the, the guard defender in a lot of those when it was Aaron Gordon in, in, in particular, operating with the ball in his hands, Craig was switching on to Vooch 
in the same way. And that tandem was just giving that up over and over and over. And they gave up key points in the game by doing that. It, it was a real mistake and a real reason that Orlando's offense was able to keep going. Like if you are able to, you know, keep the ball in somebody like Michael Carter Williams's hands and make him make a play or, you know, drive the ball handler toward the Aminu screen versus the Vooch screen. And Aminu was three of eight from the field, O of three from deep in this game, really not a difference maker, not somebody who scares you on offense. And the Suns were letting him shoot. So why do you, you know, make the screen, make the ball go that direction, make Aminu be the guy. And then if they have to force it or try to force it to Vooch later, well, they're taking time off the clock and they're, you know, getting out of their offense. So they were just letting the magic get to what we all know that they're going to do, which is get Fournier involved, get Vooch involved and get downhill, get inside, get easy baskets with those two players. And they did it over and over because the Suns were lazy with that stuff. So I hope that, you know, that's a little bit of a, we talk about like not respecting the opponent, you know, losing to these bad teams. The Suns, I think now have six or seven losses to sub 500 teams. They only have 14 total losses. So that's obviously saying something. And I think a lot of it is like, you know, oh, well, we're better than that. So, you know, the number one item on the game plan, like, yeah, you know, we'll pay attention to Vooch. We'll pay attention to some of that screen stuff, the switches, everything. But, you know, we'll still come out on top. We're the better team. Well, you're the better team until the other guy scores 27 on you and takes control in in a game. And then it's not so uh, easy anymore, right? So we saw that. We just saw it bite the suns a little bit that they did not handle things in a completely tight sealed manner where things uh, went their way. They let cracks get exposed and then bad things happen. So um, we'll get into a couple more, unfortunately, not to close on a down note, but we will talk about Mikhail Bridges and Dario Saric to close the show. Bridges breakout watch, Dario Saric six man of the year watch. Both, I think it's safe to say, are trending down, unfortunately. So we'll get into that in just a moment. But first, a quick word from the final couple of sponsors from today's show, including Rock Auto. I told you guys earlier in the week that I logged on to rockauto.com, went to 2012 Hyundai Elantra Limited, which is the car that I own, and then scrolled down to where it says Sun Visor, found an option, reasonably priced, quick shipping to my door, and I am already ready to install it. That's my task for Thursday is to get that thing put up because I'm tired of staring into the sun. All of it made possible because of Rock Auto. Rock Auto always offers the lowest prices available. They do not change them based on what mechanics want or who's buying it, whether it is a mechanic or a do-it-yourselfer, and they don't change it based on what the market will bear like an airline can. They give you the lowest price for everybody, And best of all, they don't even require a membership or login to make your purchase. I didn't make an account. I didn't pay them anything. All I did was buy the part that I wanted, and I got it very, very quickly. The rockauto.com catalog is easy to navigate. They have everything you'll need for your car, and you can quickly see all of the parts for your vehicle based on the brand, specs, and price that you prefer. Best of all, once again, prices at Rock Auto are always reliably low and the same for pros as well as do-it-yourselfers, so why spend twice as much for the same exact parts? Go to rockauto.com right now, see all the parts available for your car or truck, and write locked on in their how-did-you-hear-about-us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com Finally, today's show brought to you by Built Bar. We've been telling you about Built Bar, the best-tasting protein bar on the market, For a little while now, you're familiar. You know why these things are delicious. You know what the deal is, that you're getting delicious candy bar-like 
food with protein in there. It's healthier. It's less sugar. It's high fiber. It's exactly what you need. But what we're doing now is deciding the best of the best protein bars out there. The best Built Bar. Yes, that's right. Built Bar Madness. And it's easy for me today. Mint brownie. You know I'm a brownie lover. You know any of the bars that have a brownie in them, I'm going to tell you to vote for. And today is no different. Go to BuiltBar.com or to at bar underscore built. Mint brownie's taking on coconut puff. I like coconut. I've, I've, I've stand coconut on here before as well. But mint brownie, there's just no contest. It is honestly up there in my final four. If I were just constructing a list, forget a bracket, I would put mint brownie in there. So the fact that it is already this close, we can get it over the finish line, and I need your help to do that. So go to builtbar.com or again to at bar underscore built on Twitter. And remember, the next time you make a purchase at Locked On at Built Bar, use the promo code LOCKED15 so that they know Locked On sent you to get 15% off your next order. That is, again, LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order at builtbar.com. Make sure to check back to see who won today's matchup. See if Mint Brownie made it to the promised land. Closing out the show with a couple of recap segments that we love to do here on the show. Today, a little bit less exciting, unfortunately, with these guys. So we'll start with Mikhail Bridges. We like to do the Bridges breakout watch here. Tend to colorfully and poetically just praise and heap love on Mikhail Bridges, the third year forward. Not so tonight. Two of nine from the field, one of seven from three, including that really, really crushing corner three miss that he had. He also had a travel, I believe, late in the third quarter, early in the fourth quarter in the same corner. Missed that other corner three that I told you I liked the pass from Aiton on. So just inconsistent. Just a, and, and like I said, Eddie Johnson pointed it out and made a good point with the broadcast saying you could just tell on that final corner three with about a minute and a half to go, Bridges just wasn't confident. He had been missing all night. He had made mistakes and all the rest, and it uh, it came back to hurt the Suns. He was not ready to make that shot. He did not make the shot, and the Suns never had uh, another great half-court possession after that. They got some free throws from Devin Booker, but um, that three sort of could have put the game uh, on the Suns' path, and it did not go in. So breakout at least paused for one day. Also, you know, Aaron Gordon, it was Jay Crowder's matchup most of the night, but at the same time, you know, if Bridges does a little more there, I think Aaron Gordon had a really underestimated game, uh, undervalued game, whatever you want to call it. He was 5 of 15. However, again, running that horn stuff at the top, just his athleticism going downhill, teams are freaked out by him, and the Suns were no different. So, you know, I do put it on the best defender on the team when two perimeter guys in Gordon and Fournier, even Okiki and Bacon on the bench, although, you know, Mikhail tends to play mostly with the starters. Uh, when when another team's perimeter guys are able to, to just run it up on a team, I blame the best defender on the other squad. You know, Bridges should have been able to quiet Fournier down, should have been able to quiet Gordon down, and that didn't happen. So I, I feel like you earn the respect, you earn the responsibility of being that lockdown guy. And so when it doesn't happen, I think it deserves some criticism. So that's where we are. The breakout on pause for at least one night, but obviously uh, no no problem. Things are, are going to be fine. I will also do Dario Sharge really quickly. Six man of the year watch. Uh, the sad trombone is, uh, I think, the apt description of what happened tonight. Two of six in only 14 minutes. Another ugly game, and I want to talk about the rebounding here. Sharich, you know, we talked about yesterday as well, just amid a bad stretch. I, I don't have a great answer for it. I mean, 
I can go matchup by matchup sometimes. Miami was a, a bad one for him, but tonight you'd think with Vooch playing the majority of the minutes, that's not a difficult matchup for Dario Saric. So, you know, I mean, it's a difficult matchup for anybody, but it's not particularly, you know, a problem for somebody with Dario's skill set. So I, I did expect to bounce back from him, and we didn't see it. And like I said, um, rebounding is where I tend to focus tonight at least because late in this game throughout the fourth quarter, the Suns were just being manhandled on the boards. The final numbers won't show it. The Suns were, you know, only out-rebounded by two when it was all said and done. But defensively, Magic got three more defensive rebounds than the Suns did. And those were more precious because the Suns missed more shots. And uh, Orlando was not missing a lot, especially late. So they were just cleaning up misses. And Aiton wasn't really there to put up much of a fight. Only five defensive rebounds from him. Dario Saric, only four. It was just not a good night there. It was a lot of perimeter rebounding, even though the Magic, you know, they took 37 threes. They made a lot of them. So I don't have a great answer for it. It felt like Orlando was just outworking them late, and I think Charge deserves some blame for that. He's, you know, supposed to be a physical, tough presence on the interior when those moments happen, and I think he deserves some blame, you know? Like, Aiton does as well, and I gave it to him, but Charge does too, and so... You're just going to need to see Charge get into form because the second unit really got outscored and, and outworked tonight. And it just needs Charge to be at its full strength. It needs that fulcrum offensively to put the ball into, have a guy who can run the offense and see players, make teammates better, empower those guys, all the rest. So that's not happening right now when Charge is not playing well. And so um, six man of the year watch also his quest to win that award on pause as well. Bridges and Aiton, uh, Bridges and Charge both here uh, struggling a bit on back-to-back nights. So an opportunity on Friday against Toronto to get things on track. Enjoy your Thursday, everybody. I will not have a recap show on Friday, but what you can expect from me the rest of the week is trade deadline. Whatever happens, the Suns make a move, the Suns don't make a move, a big one, a small one, whatever it might be, I will have you covered as soon as... I possibly can following the deadline and you will have a podcast Thursday afternoon early. You don't even have to wait till Friday morning. Then on Friday morning, me and Brandon, you know him as Zona, of course, on Twitter, our Monday co-host, he and I will be doing a, a locker room on Friday morning. Follow me at Locked on PHX Suns on Twitter to get the updates on that. Follow me at the locker room app at BrendanClean14 so you can get notified when I go live. Brandon and I will be talking through every single blip of news that the Suns were involved with on the trade deadline stuff, previewing the Raptors game, and just giving our general thoughts during this road trip. So do not miss that. Do not miss the podcast episode on Thursday afternoon. Should be a fun deadline. I think it's shaping up. Aaron Gordon, Evan Fournier, Kevin Birch. We saw three guys who could get dealt just in this game alone, and more, 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 I'm sure, will be coming. 